For many people today, healthcare feels like we're behind enemy lines. The system is geared to take care of us, but why do we feel like we're in it alone? Everyday stories are a powerful way to shine light on the gaps that make it feel this way. I'd like to welcome you to Everyone Hates Healthcare, where we bring you real people's healthcare stories, unfiltered. And now your host, Michael Swartz. Hey, everybody. Michael Swartz here, and I want to welcome you back to the show. Today, we have Marsha Moran. Marsha was a successful business strategist who has been building her business over the last 20 plus years. She thought she had life by the tail, but little did she know she was in store. After suffering a major stroke in 2014 at the age of 53, Marsha applied her skills in planning and strategy as she strived to become whole. Over time, she learned to walk again, but Marsha struggled with aphasia a language disorder that if not cured by the second or third month of recovery, it is almost impossible to overcome. She nearly conquered it three and a half years post-stroke, proving that you can sometimes find a different answer to your particular problem if you continue to look. After feeling the need to share hope to stroke survivors and their caretakers, Marsha created Stroke Forward. She believes learning to become her own health advocate, one step at a time, and exploring holistic methods for healing are keys to her recovery. Marsha now speaks and shares her message of hope, inspiration, healing, and a way forward as she goes across the nation. Marsha, welcome to the podcast. Very excited to be speaking to you. So I'm delighted to be here, Michael. It's so incredible to be speaking to you. So why don't we start off and learn more about what, tell us a little bit about your life prior to your stroke. I guess I had a normal life. I have a house in Virginia with my husband. I have, I had a cat, six birds and a business. And my business is going actually pretty well. And I didn't think of myself as anything but normal. (laughs) And then I woke up one day and I knew something was off, but I wasn't really sure what was wrong with me. And so I went back to bed and that was really the worst thing I could do. And this was all of a sudden. Did you feel anything before you woke up and went back to sleep? Was there, there anything that you look back and say, maybe something was up? Yeah. So two weeks before, I had been to the movies with my husband and we had been eating popcorn and I know it had a lot of salt and I had really high blood pressure that night and I went to the emergency room and they gave me nothing and sent me home. And I think that was my carotid artery probably had started tearing at that point, but nobody knew that. So... You go to sleep. What happened? Did it happen in the sleep? I don't really know when it happened. It did happen while I was sleeping. I woke up. I felt off. I texted my friend, Rochelle, that I wouldn't be meeting her for breakfast. And I noticed that I couldn't read the text. And went, oh, I must be tired or something. So I put the phone down and I rolled over 
And at that point, I noticed a really severe headache. And despite the pain, I fell asleep. And the next time I woke up, I knew I was in real trouble because my right side of my body was completely paralyzed. Oh my goodness. Yeah, exactly. So you know that you're in real trouble then. Yeah. So I, exactly. So I actually fell out of bed and dragged myself across the carpet using my fingers, got to the door, and I had to reach up and open it. And I was too short to open it because I was laying on the floor and my right side was so paralyzed that I couldn't reach the doorknob. But finally, I don't know, I, and I don't know how, but I finally did reach it and stuck the door open. And eventually I crawled down the hall and totally ran out of gas. And I knew that my husband would come up for something to drink. So I'd be saying him sometime during the day. And at that moment, there was a loud crash. And I don't know what it was, but he came up and he saw me and said, Marcia, are you okay? And I, I can't talk. I didn't know that until then. And so he said, can you talk? And I said, no. And so he called 911 and the paramedics were very prompt. And I'd say it was about 10 minutes before they got to the house. Wow. So what you get to the hospital, what was that experience like? You're all of a sudden out of nowhere, paralyzed. And did you know what happened at that moment or was it while at the hospital? When the paramedics came through the door and looked at me, they said, when did she have her stroke? And that was the first time my husband or I thought of the word stroke. So I was actually unconscious by the time they got me to the hospital. And I remember waking up and I was dressed in a hospital robe and I had a needle in my arm and my husband was out my side. And I thought, as long as he's here, everything's okay. And I went back to sleep. They had done some text tests on me and knew that I'd had a stroke and it was a pretty severe stroke, the size of a quarter. So if you're having a stroke, you lose 1.9 million neurons a minute. And do you know how many neurons you have I don't. I'm that's, sure a lot, a, but it's anything yeah. with million is a lot of anything. Yeah, it's a lot of anything. I think that if I'd been in the house by myself, I would have died. And that crash, I'm sure you wonder as well, but I wonder what that was. It sounds like somebody was looking out, knocking something down. Doesn't know what it is either. So I don't know what caused it, but I'm glad it was because every minute takes another 1.9 million neurons away. So I'm glad that he caught me when he did. Yeah. So how long were you in the hospital for? So I was in the hospital for five days. I was in the rehab hospital for two weeks. I had home health care for six weeks. I had two weeks up and then I had outpatient care for about two months. And when you get into rehab, so you're out of the hospital now, what did you regain your ability to talk? What, where were you physically, mentally, emotionally after this? Yeah. So I could speak a little sometimes. So I have aphasia. 
and I, it was actually from the Broca's area. And so I could hear what everyone said to me, but I couldn't speak back. So I could speak back sometimes, but it was like there was this, I knew exactly what I wanted to say and I couldn't say it. So I had to think of something different to say. So there were like two people in my head trying to figure out how to speak. And sometimes I said nothing. Sometimes I could speak a little bit. Walking, I was actually able to walk with a cane by the time I left. By the time you left the hospital or rehab? The rehab hospital. And I'm saying I was walking with a cane. It actually took a year and a half. So I hired a physical therapist for a year after insurance was done to work with me. And after the year, I feel like I can walk normally, or at least people looking at me think I walk normally. I don't really. I have some pain in my right side still, but it's so minimal that I don't even really pay attention to it anymore. How did you find the physical therapist? Was like, what was, how did you find the right physical therapist to once you're going through learning how to walk? What was it a recommendation? How'd you go about finding the right one for you? So, There is a physical therapy, I'm going to say studio, not too far from here. And I interviewed, if you guess it, I call it an interview, but I talked to the guy and I liked him a whole lot. And my husband said, no way, (laughs) you're not going there. And I said, okay. So I said, fine. So I found a physical therapist that worked at the local women's club. He said, that one's okay. I don't know if it was because, I don't know. I guess he felt more comfortable with me going to the women's club. And I found that I really liked her. There's something so engaging about her. So I cried almost every time I went to see her. And she was saying, that's okay. If you feel like you have to cry, you have to cry. And I guess I feel that made me feel better because I couldn't help myself. Yeah. She was helping you through. I, I mean, it's, we're on a journey. Now, during this time, as you're going through physical therapy, you said that you were not able to talk. You had aphasia. What was going through your mind? Did you think you were ever going to be able to talk again? Because like right now, we're having a conversation and you sound normal. Yeah. So it is pretty incredible for you to be able to speak after going through that. But in that moment, when you were going through it, did you, what was going through your mind? I wanted to speak again. And so the National Aphasia Association says that if you aren't cured within the first two or three months, you probably will have aphasia for life. And I don't like that statistic. It's not a very encouraging one. And I think it's not really true if you look around. So I actually figured I'm going to look until I find something. And year two after my stroke, I found a chiropractor who does laser treatment. And I went and asked him if it would do me any good. And he said, I don't know. It's been a long time since your stroke happened and it may help you, it may not. And the only way you will find out is you try it. And so I tried it and it actually did work. But I 
still had aphasia. It was just better. And I would say that at that time, through laser treatment, I learned to communicate at the conversational level. Hi, how are you? The weather's, you know, how fine, it's rainy, it's whatever. So I could probably talk at that level. But when you went deeper, like if I was interviewing for a job and you were talking about the things that you do in a job, there was no way I could communicate that. If you were someone I didn't know and you were talking about the weather, I might not be able to talk to you either. It was just really weird. And I had, like I said, the two sides of my brain, the one that knew exactly wanted to say to somebody and the one who couldn't form the words. So three, three and a half years after my stroke, I had a doctor tell me about neurofeedback and he'd just gotten neurofeedback into his office. And he said, I think this is something that would really help you. And so he told me to visit their website and I did. And in there, talked about people that have been injured on the outside of their brain. It's not a stroke, but they are traumatic brain injury survivors. 85% of them get better through this neurofeedback. And said, 85. 85%. I said, okay, I have got to give this a try. So I went in and I tried it. And the first day I talked better. I had 16 sessions and I talked normally now. It took 16 sessions and it doesn't, doesn't last long. But essentially you, you go in and he um, puts gum in your hair. Interesting. So it, he sticks electrodes in the gum. So I have two positive, two negative in the ground. He turns the neurofeedback machine on and I felt nothing. Like nothing. I'm going, okay, is he teasing me? And so essentially... The neurofeedback machine pulses one one hundredth of a AAA battery. Pulses are so small that go into your head that most people don't feel anything. But it, I'm going to say, teaches your brain to reorganize itself into a pattern where you're not stuck anywhere. So I had PTSD and it knew it and it got me out of it. But the interesting thing is the two brains that I had that were trying to uh, talk merged into one again. From this treatment. That's from this treatment. So were you nervous the first time? No. Getting it? No. I didn't know if it would work. Yeah. But I didn't think there was anything wrong with it. Now, if I had some reservations about whether it would hurt me or not, I probably wouldn't have taken it. Even with the 85%. I think I would have given it some serious thought, yeah. It's it's just incredible that something like that exists. And I've never heard of it. I'm sure a lot of the listeners haven't heard of it. And luckily, you had a chiropractor who was front and center. So were you out, when you were going through this process, were you looking for other alternative treatments? You said you were looking for something. Yeah. And he knew it. So that's why he suggested I give it a try. It was a new treatment for him. So neurofeedback has been around probably for 20 years or more, and nobody knows about it. He's the first person in Virginia who offers it, and it's called microcurrent neurofeedback. 
So start this treatment. You've, you're walking again, 16 treatments in. You're able to speak again. What was next? What was, where were you at that point? Like you've went through this incredible, long, and I'm sure arduous journey that you didn't know where you were going to come out on. And you get this unbelievable treatment. What was next for you? So that made it into my book. So I actually started writing a book called Stroke Forward, How to Become Your Own Healthcare Advocate One Step at a Time, a year after I had my stroke. And I wrote very slowly. It took me a day to write two paragraphs in the beginning. And it was not only that I had aphasia, and so I couldn't necessarily think of how the word, I couldn't think of the word, but it was also I couldn't type very well. So although my left hand typed okay, my right hand was out of place a lot of time. So I had to delete, delete, delete. And it didn't deter you though. It didn't. And in fact, I think part of my being able to understand what I read, that was helpful. If I hadn't been able to read and understand, that would have been really unhelpful. But so I could understand it. And if I could just get it down on my screen, that would be perfect. But of course, it didn't work out that well very much. (laughs) But you did it. You wrote this book, it took you a few years. And what kept you going? What people that might be in a situation, whether it's they're, they just went through something like this, or maybe it's another health event, like what drove you? How did you stay positive? How, what was the secret to, as you call it, stroke forward? So I think I really wanted people to know that there are some things out there that most people don't tell you about. But there are things out there that if you are aware that you can maybe overcome your aphasia or some other thing that you've got, you should at least keep trying until you find something that works for you. If you can, maybe there's nothing that works for you. But the moment you give up looking, I think you start losing hope for everything. So... People that, let's say, they they want to look, but they don't know where to even start. What would you advise them? I guess it depends on what they're actually dealing with. So I'm dealing with aphasia, so I needed to go out of the normal treatment plan because I didn't get treated for this by my doctors. I was treated for this by chiropractors. So you have to get out of the step of the normal treatment plan and start asking questions. And I was really happy with the guy who gave me laser treatment because without that, I don't know if I'd have been around to pick up the neurofeedback. I might have given out. Yeah. How did you, what led you to getting treated by chiropractors? I, again, I, me personally, I'm not a doctor. I am new to this and really what do you do after a stroke but what led you to a chiropractor i think of a chiropractor and i hear your back is messed up and that so getting out of your treatment plan what led you to that so it was something i met a guy at a luncheon for business people and i went to the luncheon to 
try to learn how to tar. And I, the first time I was there, they made me stand up and I had a minute to tell people what I did. And so to the best of my ability, I told them that I was a stroke survivor and I was there just to talk. And this guy came up and he said, I had a car accident about a year ago. And I started seeing this chiropractor who just was laser treatment on me. And I think it might be interesting for you. Okay. So I stumbled into him by accident. That's incredible. Right. It's incredible. And I think it just shows the importance of whether it's a stroke or whatever you're going through to, to find people to talk to, find yeah. your support group. And so tell us a little bit about a stroke forward. You went through this experience. I love how you say becoming your own health advocate. Tell us a little bit about what the book is about. And it was an unbelievable thing for you to put together and power through. And yeah, it took me a long time to write it. And I was done writing it and I read it and I went, this is really terrible. So I put it aside and about six months later, I said, okay, I'm going to rewrite it. And I rewrote it and I read it again. And it's better, but it's still not good. (laughs) So I put it aside probably for three months that time. And I picked it up and I read it again and rewrote it. And at that point, I thought, now it's better. So my problem with the book in the beginning is that I told the story that it had no emotion and so the stuff and who wants to read that nobody the second time i wrote it i had more emotion in it until i got to my family and then there was no emotion okay you have to really dig deep and be vulnerable to people and that's what it did is it by being vulnerable the book actually i think is pretty good so it's Told by me, my husband, my sister, a couple of friends, some doctors. So it gives everybody's different perspective on what they thought. And I think that's really important because most people think about things from their perspective and nobody else. So my husband and I, we had the same event, but we have different feelings about what really happened. What's important? Again, my sister has different feelings about what happened. So it gives you insight into what your own family and friends are going to be thinking about. And it probably gives you something to talk about, right? It sounds too. It's not only for somebody who might went through a stroke or a major health crisis. It it seems like it would be really good for families, for people that are going through it and wanting to see it from the lens of somebody who's been through it. Yeah. And then, so my husband and I had no clue as to what you should do when you've had a stroke. No clue. So he's in the hospital and not really thinking much about the care I'm needing. And he realizes when I'm choking one day that somebody really should be thinking about me, right? So what happened was the hostel had 
their kitchen had set up a chicken for me when I was supposed to be on a liquid diet. That's great. Yeah. So because I'd been paralyzed, and that means that the muscles move or don't move throughout half of the body. So when I think about paralysis, I'm not necessarily thinking about the inside muscles too, but they're also paralyzed. And you don't think about that. You're right. It's right. And actually, 65% of stroke survivors have dysphagia, which is the inability to swallow correctly. Wow. So it's pretty high. So when I was swallowing this liquid water, I guess I'd call it. So I drink it down looking forward. I turn to the left and swallow, and I look forward again. So when I had this chicken, I was going, first of all, it smelled really good. It's like, mm, food. <laughs> and I was chewing and I got something caught. And I don't remember how they got it out of my mouth. Probably they stuck their fingers in. But somebody said, my husband, you should have been really careful with that and told us that she got food because she could choke. And we'd never know that he, she was choking because her cough sensor is off. It's like, that's the first time he heard that. It's, okay, now I'm scared because now I know that she could choke in front of me and die. And I had no way of knowing it. Yeah. And I'm sure, like, what did he do? What was that evolution like? He paid attention to everything that went on around me from that point on. So if there were questions that he had, he asked them. If he agreed with something that they were going to do, he said no. Although I don't think he really did disagree with anything. I don't remember. And that's something else. So I would remember what people told me the moment they were in the room. But the moment they left, I had no clue. He was the one remembering everything. So he learned about how to become his own healthcare advocate at every step by being there every day. And by bit, you learn. So I guess that I think this is a primer and there's lots that is not in here, but at least people have something to go on and say, okay, those are things I need to think about. Yeah, no, I think I, I love that you got in this book all the different perspectives because it does take a team. It's not just you going through it, but you... Getting you writing a book is just in, incredible after going through you being able to speak and that support system. So hearing and seeing through the lens of your support system, I think is a really powerful way and I'm sure resonates with a lot of people. Yeah. So through this whole journey, this experience from having the stroke to learning how to walk to being able to speak again, to writing the book. What, when you look back, what insight did you gain from it? What insight can you provide the listeners in terms of whether they're going through a stroke or just anything? I would say for stroke survivors, they have to work on whatever they're driving towards. So is it talking? Is it learning how to walk, whatever. They have to work on it every single day. And you might 
not make much progress and it may seem really slow, but looking back, I feel like I've made a lot of progress and it did take a long time, but I am really proud of what I got accomplished. For the caretakers, they need to remember that they need to take care of themselves first and then they can take care of the stroke patient because they need to understand that stroke is a long-term disability. And so if they hurry and only take care of the stroke patient, eventually they burn out and that's the wrong place for them to be. I think that's great insight. And it really is important, I think, for both sides, for anybody who's going through a health crisis, not give up hope. And also for the people that are taking care of themselves, you're there and you're going to help support them. And this isn't a sprint, it's a marathon. Where can people, where can the listeners find you? Can they, if they have questions, where can they find the book? Where can they find you? Okay, so they can find the book on amazon.com. So it's Stroke Forward. And they should just put it in the yeah, the, the browser. And, yeah. and listeners put all, all the links in the show notes. So you can okay. find it there. My website is strokeforward.com. They can contact me at Marsha, that's M-A-R-C-I-A, at strokeforward.com. And I would be really happy if they have any questions, if they could contact me. I see if I can help them. And I think I know that there's people listening that are probably in a position where reaching out to you and asking questions, what you're doing is helping so many people, helping people through the long journey. And there's nothing more powerful than uh, somebody who's been through the experience would take her up on it. If you have any questions, want to talk about something, should definitely reach out to Marsha. Yeah, please do. Marsha, before we end, is there anything you want to leave the listeners? I think the most important thing I could tell stroke survivors is that there is always hope. And the way you get to build on that hope is to work on finding whatever it is you're looking for every single day. I'm serious. It takes a long time, but it will happen. And for caregivers, just be patient. I know sometimes you may be a little bit tired of hearing the same thing over and over, but just be patient. Hope and patience. I think that's simply powerful. Marsha, I appreciate you taking the time and it's been a pleasure hearing your story. And thank you. You're welcome. It's been a pleasure meeting you. And listeners, thank you for tuning in and see you next week. Hey, listeners, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Everyone Hates Healthcare. If you have a healthcare story, we want to hear it. All you got to do is shoot me an email with my healthcare story in the subject line to my story at healthkarma.org. Also, Check out all the episode notes, resources, and more ways you can take control of your healthcare. All you got to do is just visit healthkarma.org slash podcast. While you're on there, help us out. Don't forget to drop us a rating, a review, and share it with all your family and friends. Can't wait to see you next week.